Ah, good luck. Puts on the step, goes right through, puts on the step again. Oh, go pretty. That was magnificent stuff. Well, I shall not believe them. Marshalls gets away, Marshalls gets away. Marshalls still going. Mullins opens up again. Oh, look at him go. He beats O'Davis on the outside. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast prepared to hire John Morris as an audio technician, only to sack him minutes later for Simon Benetti. I'm your host, Eamon Brown, and today on the show we'll be discussing all of the late-breaking news in the wonderful world of rugby league in a special TVT drunken session without alcohol. But first, I am joined by Xander Rosotta and Media Watch Mario. Now, I was going to say, what are you drinking? But I don't know if anyone's drinking tonight because... Uh, Mario, uh, the listeners don't know this, but you're about to run. You're explaining this off mic. It's called an ultra half marathon. Is that right? Uh, let, let's go with that. But actually, I have I have had a, a few frosty beverages, and I still have another beer ready to crack at some point if we have a break. Fantastic. So your preparation for running 26 kilometers is to just get pissed the night before. Sure. Why not? It's yeah, only because you've kept, you've, you're forcing me to stay up so goddamn late tonight because you wanted to watch that game that didn't turn out to be that great. Yeah, that's right. We, uh, we've just finished watching the Canberra-Parramatta game, and it's a very annoying, Xander, because uh, you and I both tipped the green machine, uh, but they didn't really turn mm. up tonight. Yeah, it was a tough one to, to, to kind of pick, I thought. I mean, the, uh, the yields were, were just so totally um, out-muscled last week. They were always going to come back hard, but I just didn't think that, you know, the re- their record in Canberra and the Raiders also having had a couple of tough games. Hmm. I just thought that they'd, um, yeah, I thought they'd be too much, but <laughs> wrong, <laughs> it turns no. out. And look, you know, Canberra, as you said, a bit of a fortress down there. They, hmm. You know, teams that travel down there have to combat the six degree wind chill which is one thing because that obviously shrinks the testicles so you you never run the ball quite as hard but i don't know a lot of listeners may not know this but they also try to bore the shit out of their teams pre-game they often go for a bit of a tour of the war memorial the mint and if they have time the telstra tower Um, by the time they finish all those things all of their requisite enthusiasm has been drained from their souls wait wait Um, wait 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 are you saying they don't go to questacon what the fuck they don't, mate. No, they try to hang on for that f- shitty flower show they have down there once a year. But outside of that, they don't go to Questacon. No, no. If they, no, um, they just... you, you guys have, you guys have obviously never lived in Canberra. What they really do to destroy their souls is they take them to Mooseheads. And, and uh, what is that? Is that a bar? Mooseheads is, um, yeah. You, you ever been to um, Scruffy Murphy's? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like Canberra's Scruffy Murphy's. Canberra's equivalent. It's just an absolute, you know, hole of a place, and it's like where, but it's 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 the bar in civic right <laughs> so i love the fact no matter where you go in australia you will find a congregation of drunk irish people <laughs> well it's not it's not irish it's just a trashy bar yeah, yeah. so you see there's no irish people that they lock them out no no it's a it's it's just a bar it's not irish themed is, is more my point well, here's my point mate <laughs> if, if there's alcohol being served you will find irish people are you allowed to put on a bad irish accent when you're in scruffy murphy you know, it's a me- little bit hard to tell because the tosh time i was down there it was dirty here in a dirt <laughs> in canberra though i mean you know it's it's all public servants and they they they, they don't do accents <laughs> Now, uh, we have disappeared down a rabbit hole of Canberra, but I will have to mention, I wanted to start at the top of the show with this, another two-point fucking field goal. Now, we laughed at this as a podcast preseason. Adam Reynolds now has two of them. Do we like it or do we not like it? I thought the, the one today was quite thrilling against the Tigers, and it actually brought 
South back into the game. He used it as a genuine tactic, Xander. Does this mean it's vindication for PVL and his weird fucking rules? Yeah, I actually like it. It genuinely does add something to mm. be able to level up a score um, where you've got a two-point deficit, which is often in a close game. And it's not easy to kick a 40-meter field goal. So you probably should get two points for it. Mario Zander's obviously a bit of a weather vane when it comes to these new rules. As long as the last one's successful, he's on board. But are you on board? That's what I want to know. I never minded the idea of the two-point field goal. Oh, this is I, bullshit. I'm <laughs> we had I'm more a 40 minute conversation the before the season <laughs> where we all condemned it as a team. Well, and now yeah. you're all on board with it. You know what? Well, I mean, you know, to I pull out the, the quote from John Maynard Keynes, and you know, this is that kind of a podcast where that erudite, um, you know, when when you get new information, you change your position, mate. They call that flip-flopping Xander, but Mario, please go on. Why do you now fucking love it, you fucking turncoat? <laughs> I didn't say I love it. I just don't hate it. But I'm more I'm more upset by the fact that Latrell stepped on the um, touching goal line and was allowed to play on, and that probably. I think we're getting off topic here, guys. Insane. It's just uh... indeed. <laughs> well, I, I will say this: Xander and I talked about that before, but um, you know the fact that that was such a great run, I was happy for that stud to have been missed on the chalk. Now, before we get yes, into any more speaking of studs agree. missing. Yeah, exactly. We'll get into that. We'll get into it. Uh, but before we talk about rugby league, because, you know, we can't just talk about rugby league on a rugby league podcast, obviously. We're recording on the night uh, of Prince Philip's funeral. Now, um, it's a huge day for people who have died twice. Didn't he die obviously. a week ago? Yeah, but he's been in the fridge. Um, right, right. The Queen's been saying goodbye I heard um, he at dig- sub-degree temperatures. I heard he turned to ash the minute he died. Yeah, well... We can only hope, Xander. But the question I've been marinating on all week, guys, is what would the royal family do if he wakes up mid-funeral? Now, that's going to be really awkward because, as we know, Prince Philip has been dead for some years. How can they accurately tell that he has actually deceased? I mean, we don't know that, do we? Because he may wake up during the middle of the ceremony. I think he's been dead for about 15 years, hasn't he? I think that... um... You know, I had always assumed that he was effectively a, a biomechanical puppet show for the last 10 years. I mean, he just he certainly looks like he's been decomposing in slow motion. Mario, how have you been celebrating the prince's death? I'm just imagining Prince Philip going, hmm, Harry, eh? Um, I, I particularly enjoyed some of the jokes uh, as a cricket fan that were along the lines of yet another Englishman fails to make the century. That was, I was a big fan of that one. Um, Prince Philip, fuck him, fucked a lot of them. They can all get fucked. And that's the usual nuance that TVT offers up our listenership. Now, look, if he does happen to wake up in the middle of this uh, funeral, guys, could they pivot to a funeral shower? You know, in the same way you have a baby shower in the preparation for having a baby, maybe in the preparation for his death, if Philip wakes up, he should receive gifts. And if so, what gifts should he receive? Also, not a literal shower, which would involve, you know, bits of Prince Philip dripping all over all the guests. No, no, you wouldn't take him apart and throw him into a ceiling fan or something. No, I mean, literally just giving him some gifts to say, well done, mate, you you live to fight another day. What do you give the guy that's already got everything apart from what? A few more severed heads of brown people? He'd appreciate those. I, I have a I have a question. Like, I mean, I'm not so much interested in what you get, um, Prince Philip. I mean, he's already got a knighthood apparently from Australia. Um, but you know, what about Harry and his role previously before quitting the royal family as the chief advocate for the Rugby League World Cup 
to be held in England this year. I mean, he's back in England now, obviously for the funeral. Does that mean that if he's in country, he has to perform that role again? Is this, you know, I'm trying to bring it back to rugby league. It's, it's a, That's okay. Yeah. You, you can stomp all over my plan <laughs> jokes. Uh, I assume, mate, that he is. Um, you know, Harry's a Harry's a very um, a staunch rugby league man. I mean, of course, he's never heard of the game, and he and he supports rugby. Hey, yeah, he, he's he's a staunch supporter of the Toronto Wolfpack and the Ottawa Aces, I believe. Now, okay, according to whom? Uh, Megan Markle. Oh, okay. who, she's very who, trustworthy. Who, isn't is, she? who is who is a Canadian herself, and you know, is an ambassador for the Wolfpack. Okay. So I've heard. Yeah, maybe. But her behaviour is a bit light one at times. You know, she does um sort of rip people to shreds with her words. Uh, for the record, I'd get Philip an ice pack. Going to need to cool down in the afterlife. Now, um, I'm going to get back to. I'm going to mention, yeah, the passing of Tommy Radonikus, guys. We actually didn't touch on this last time. I think when he passed away, it was around the time of the record. I can't quite remember. Mm. What, what were your favourite memories of Tommy? Obviously, none of us saw his, saw him play. We weren't old enough, but we probably would have seen plenty of footage, plenty of post-career highlights. Um, what did we think of the man? He was entertaining. Um, I certainly think that um, he wasn't shown a ton of respect by the Tigers last week uh, mm. when they conceded 30 points in a half of football. I think it was Malcolm Knox in the SMH. He said that, you know, uh, we all love him, but no one would tolerate him now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, he's certainly not sort of fit for 2021 and the sort of public discourse uh, constraints that go on. But, I mean, I was going to go back to what you were talking about with the Tigers there. Do you think the fact that it was to commemorate the passing of a West legend that, you know, that's why people came down so hard on them. hundred percent. Cause they were deplorable, but it felt yeah. like the press was excessively negative about their performance. And I think it had something to do with Tommy. Well, you know, I, I mean, I think it, it quite blatantly did. And, uh, you know, it was expressed pretty clearly in most of the coverage, particularly on Fox league, right. Where mm. you know the, the, the commentary was all about the lack of respect shown to, to Rodonicus and mm. their, their, very flimsy defensive efforts. Mario, is this fair that, you know, when you're honouring someone's memory that it means you have to win? I don't know. I don't think you have to win, but you have to at least give the slightest fuck. It's like they waited a week and then decided, oh, wait, Tommy died? Fuck, we should try tonight. So today they played rather well. Yeah, I think that, that's more the issue. But, and, yeah, and in, in a sense, shocking. In a sense, the performance tonight makes last week more galling for me. Because it's like, well, you obviously yes. know how to defend. You know how to tackle. You just couldn't be fucked last week. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that was symptomatic of, I guess, one of the criticisms of the club, right? That it lacks a bit of a heartbeat. And if you can't ha- actually have a heartbeat during a game, which is commemorating, you know, perhaps your club's greatest player, um, then maybe there is something wrong at the well, Tigers HQ. Marshall says hi. Well, yeah, well, that's interesting. You know, I mean, they come from both sides of the tracks there, obviously. But, um, you know, when it comes to the Magpies, at least, Mario, you probably argue Tommy's the, the best they've had. Up there with Andrew Leeds, obviously, sure. and Paul Langback. Um, no, look, I don't know if you guys have any particular memories, but uh, I think for me, you know, I, I really loved the guy because he sort of was a bit like rugby league incarnate for me. You know, he was that guy that was pretty tough and straight talking and honest, but you could clearly see that he was actually a good bloke. Maybe not on the field. Um, you know because he did say i used to hate my opposition and did anything he could to to beat them but off the field he seemed like a genuinely charitable individual and i love those stories that have been told during the week about you know his kinship with guys like Artie beatson for example and and the origins of the mythology around state of origin i think that's all very true by the way a lot of this stuff gets tends to get hyped up um you know to over dramatize things but 
clearly Artie Bateson and Tommy Rodonikus were pretty important to the the beginnings of Origin. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and he um <laughs> like the stories coming out about Rodonikus uh not just from the early years of Origin but from when he was coach and how seriously he took it and you know it's it's come up a, a bunch of times but demanding that his players don't even speak to any of the Queensland camp like kind of comical but yeah well Kevin Walters tried that only a few yeah. a few series ago actually he to, did yeah, to, no, to no. not much acclaim don't mention the blues um no look I think for me especially from a TVT point of view we had John Scandalis on uh probably 18 months ago time flies I'm not entirely sure when but I had the thought to press him on potentially getting an interview with Tommy. And I guess that would be my regret that I didn't get in touch to push for that interview. It may ne- never have happened, um, but I, it was always someone that was on my sort of bucket list to get on and ask him plenty of questions because you knew you were going to get pretty candid responses. Um, and as a rugby league nerd, it would have been great to hear his thoughts directly on the game. So he will be sadly missed. Scandalous actually had a pretty interesting anecdote about Tommy. So I'm just going to play that for you now before we go on. I think the toughness come out of Tommy as well, just, you know, watching, growing up, watching, well, when I say growing up, you know, when you're playing for West Magpies, you can't yeah. help but watch a lot of clips of back in the day when they played Manly and Newtown and things like that, and it was, you know, just all aggression, so, and Tommy, you know, he was just, he was aggression, he was 100% aggression, so I think coming through, training under him was, you know, a big part of me being um, that person who, I guess, never took a backward step either, so, um yeah, but not really, not really in terms of modelling, but I did look up to a lot of guys that did play that in that position. Yeah, fair enough. And look, you, you mentioned Tommy Rodonikus, and I obviously couldn't have a chat with you and not chat about the great legend that is Tommy Rodonikus. He's known for having some pretty strange tactics to fire up his troops, Scando. What, what were some of the weirder things you saw Tommy do uh, when you were coached under him? Uh, well, we all know about the Ox's heart where he came into the shed and, you know, <laughs> he got the players. I hadn't been playing first grade. I was back then, you could... You know, if you played reserve grade or 21s or something, you could sit on the bench for first grade. Like, you could have six or seven people. And I was on the bench at the time. I didn't get on, but I remember they were, he came out with an ox's heart before the game. And, as you do. Um, he, as you do, you know, just rock up to the game. With, and he got the players to touch it and, you know, talked about having a heart and um, what it feels like to have a heart and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, what, what's this guy doing? And um, <laughs> That was probably the most, you know, um, one that sticks in my memory. Other ones were... Um, he came in with a. He came in. Well, we actually coming last. At the almost coming last. I think we were like two points or four points behind. Um, coming last, and someone mentioned to him, or well, someone handed him a wooden spoon as he was walking into the sheds. One of those big old wooden spoons, and he came in and he was absolutely pissed off that someone had actually mentioned the wooden spoon. And he he was doing his speech and he's he's just got that out of control that he smashed it against the wall above Cherry Measured Head. But at the same time, the spoon rebounded off the wall and hit him back in the face and um, he started bleeding and he's wiped his, he got his blood off his face and started wiping the blood on the player's face to go, this is what I want to see. So that was the sort of stuff that he did. So, and, and trust me, there's, there's many more. Which, How good is um, he? We don't have time for. No, uh, fair enough too. Uh, look. He was, mate, look, he was about passion. Tommy, one thing was passion and just, you know, competing. You just had to be, you just, he just wanted you to compete and, and have passion in what you did and, um, and pride. And that's, like I said, that's something that I learned a lot. Um, and never give up. That was one thing that he never did. He, no, he never gave up, um, no matter how how much we were getting flogged or or what. He just, you know, he was he was relentless with um, the fact that we just never we never surrendered.
Uh, Mario, we're going to talk about you, mate. Uh, today we are recording on the Saturday, and something rather miraculous happened. Manly won and won well. It was the return of Tommy Turbo. Now, I thought he'd make a difference to your team, Mario, but I had no idea that one man would make quite the difference that he did. It was an absolute shellacking of the Titans. How happy were you, and how many times did you ejaculate during the match? I tell you what, I had my son watching watching the game with me, my five year old. Most, yeah, best most to keep your dick in your pants. We were, we were jumping up and screaming at the TV a lot of times. I do have one question, just to, and I'm not trying to rest fault. It's a genuine question. A tap when you're trying to tap the ball backwards, is that not a pass rather than a knock on when you're intentionally tapping it? Because the try that pass. got us to 40 nil and then was taken back, to me, that's a pass. And therefore, the bunker could not take it off us. But they did. Yeah, yeah I look, thought that was a fair try. Yeah, look, yeah. it's a really interesting one. And it's obviously murky. Clearly, the video ref or the adjudication is that it's not technically speaking a pass and it's a tap back, meaning that for some reason, they can adjudicate on them, even though it's the same process, right? You're looking at a camera yep. angle of whether or not it's gone forward or backwards or not. Although I guess you could argue they do that for knock-ons as well. Yeah, I thought it was a fair try as well. But I guess in the end, you won by about 90 points. You didn't really yeah. need it. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> Look, <laughs> in the end, I, I was watching that game. Just uh, well, One thing I'll say, yes, Tommy Turbo makes a huge difference. And it is still an ongoing concern how much of a difference he makes. That being said, people are underestimating the difference it makes not having Dylan Walker there. I agree with you. In fact, uh, Xander and I, <laughs> we had a bit of a joke today because the commentary actually mentioned that this Manly team had a host of guys to come back into the team and they go, how good are they going to be when Dylan Walker comes back into the number one jersey? And I remember thinking, well, not number one, obviously, but comes back into the team. And, and in that moment, I could just almost hear the sound of you clenching your teeth, Mario. Uh, Harper and, and, and even Parker both did everything we asked of them today. And Harper set up that nice try for Jason Saab. Dylan Walker, since the day he joined Manly, has done nothing to set up anything. He's, he's done nothing positive for the club. Nothing. And so many times today I was watching the positioning of Tommy Turbo in defence, more so than attack. Although, geez, we could talk about the attack. In defense, he was there every single time the ball got near the try line. He was there no matter which direction it went. Dylan Walker was never once on screen in any game this season, basically, in defense, unless he was running past the the guy with the ball who's going in to score. He was just, he's such a liability and he does not have it in defense or attack. And I would rather have a, a, a wet fish in centre than Dylan Walker. And so by that logic, Brad Parker stays. In terms of Tommy, the difference he makes in attack, it's huge because suddenly Jake Turbo runs to the line and they think, oh, fuck, he's going to pass this to Tommy. And they all panic. When he was passing it to Dylan Walker, no one gave a fuck. I agree with you, mate. Although I think it is a bit unfair that you said that Dylan Walker's done nothing for your club. He's at very least run a small pizza shop owner out of business. Um, but when it comes to, you know, your outside backs, Harper's a really interesting guy, isn't he? Because not just the way he plays, he's a bit of a sneaky player under the radar. He does quite well for you. But fucking hell, he's really warped straight out of the 1970s, hasn't he? I mean, he does look like he should be partnered with someone from fucking Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, he totally looks like he could be in a BG's film clip or something. Yeah. Like he should partner up in the centres with Huggy Bear. Just my opinion. Um, but no, I agree with you. <laughs> he that was, it, he was... 
it's more than just the Tommy exactly. Turbo himself, isn't it? It's the fact that the shape of that Manly team seems to change instantly when he's on the field, as though everyone's buoyed by an extra dimension of confidence. And as you said, DCE in particular, I thought, looked more direct and more confident today because he's got the ball and he realises he has viable options outside of him. I, I guess heart back to um, teams of the past, like I think that uh, you know late 90s Roosters team, for example, when Brad Fittler wasn't there, um, you know, the, the team used to turn to water. And when he was, they all seemed to grow an extra league. I feel like Manly might have a similar thing there with Tommy Turbo. I asked the question in some other group, one of the other podcast groups, I can't remember. Um, You're cheating. I, I said, is, Manly, is Manly's reliance upon Tommy, Tommy Turbo in the team, has there been in any time in our memory a team with a greater reliance on a player. And I really only think it's Newcastle with Joey. Oh, I've got one for you. I've got one. The Gold Coast Seagulls and Wally Lewis. (laughs) Yeah, he was great there, wasn't he? Yeah. Only thing is that he was shit too. Although he used to be very good in the red zone when he had an epileptic fit. They couldn't touch him. Xander, what are your opinions there, Manly? Do you think you were one of the guys who actually predicted that they'd make the finals? We obviously laughed at you for a while. We asked you to leave. We sin binge you, which is a rare thing to do on a podcast. <laughs> but now that they've played today, they've they managed to you know score a narrow victory last week. They've now actually racked up a couple of wins. Do you think they're a chance? Well, if they keep playing like they did today, they certainly are. I mean, and, and to be honest, that was why, I mean, when we made that, that pr- the predictions at the start of the season, I said, you know, I know they're thin on the ground in terms of their um, their depth, but I said, if they can keep enough of their good players on the park, mm. they'll be hard to beat, uh, you know, through a lot of the season. And kind of today was, was <laughs> I think, what I was expecting to see more of. And yeah. with Turbo back, Jesus, he, he really did have them at sixes and sevens every time he got the ball. And, you know, I think we saw one of um, Foran's better games as well. Mm. Like, so, I mean, I, I'd always expected Foran and, and um, DCE to be, um, you know, more dynamic together, um, you know, having previous experience and just the fact that Foran's always been a, a tough half. Yeah. Um, and Turbo at the back being quite dynamic. And, you know, you, they've got Tafua to come back as well, who, you know, he's had patchy form, but when he's, when he, when he's, when he's on, he's quite devastating. Um, no, no. <laughs> can't wait for him to be back well, it depends what you mean by devastating because he certainly devastates mario's mood whenever he plays so. um, yes yeah well that, i mean that, that that is a problem um <laughs> but but he can be quite good no i mean i've expected them to be uh more damaging and i think today was kind of some of that you know, I remember casting my mind back to those predictions and you actually mentioned something quite interesting. You said the reason I've got Manly in the eight was a little bit of the romance of their previous yep. success. And I clearly, Mario, I must have missed that. I don't ever remember Foran and DCE fucking each other after the 2011 grand final. When did that happen? Was it in the sheds? No, people have mixed that up. It was actually DCE and Jamie Bure used to fuck. Well, DCE used to bend Jamie Bure over and fuck him right up the ass. They were towel buddies. Allegedly. Was, uh, was Allegedly. Did he keep the headgear um, on? What I, what, well, I, be, I believe so because that way DCE could imagine it was Beaver instead. And let's face it, we'd all like to fuck a good Beaver. Look, um, enough about your team, mate. They had a great victory. Congratulations. But I did want to touch on 
the Brisbane Broncos. Now, we haven't virtually had anything positive to say about the Brisbane Broncos in two or three years, apart from how funny it was to laugh at Anthony Seabold, obviously, because uh, he got very irate. And the angrier he gets, the more croaky his voice got, which was a weird proportional mathematical equation. Um, but, you know, this week, i got to say, I reckon this game on Thursday against Penrith, they didn't win the game. But I think that's the biggest shock in terms of uh, not my, not being my expectation of a team has turned in for years. I, I had no idea that Brisbane ever had that performance in them. They played really well. In fact, they outplayed Penrith, who I think, along with Melbourne, are the two odds-ons to be in the in the GF. They, they outplayed the yardstick, in other words. What did Kevin Walters say to them to get them that fired up? I think he just dumped Milford. <laughs> like, I mean, it was just, that was, that was the major difference is, you know, the forwards aimed, aimed up, but Jesus Christ, like that, that was telling. But you know what? You're right about that. That's a plus because sleepy Milford has been destroying that team for at least three seasons, probably longer. Let's be honest. But the, the likes of Brody Croft, who was landing the ball on a dime, uh, Pangai Jr. had the best game that I've seen him ever have. I mean, he's a, he's a fair player. And he has actually played. It was controlled aggression this time. Well, yeah, he yeah. was. He was on a rampage, absolute rampage. You're right. He wasn't giving yeah, away the was. it, it wasn't stupid aggression, which is what you normally get with Pangai Junior. So what changed? I mean, what changed within a week? They've been diabolical, and then all of a sudden they come out and outplay the yardstick. I mean, to put it in perspective, listeners, we do tips every week. I had Penrith winning by fifty, <laughs> and they should have lost. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I had them I had them winning by a bit as well. Um, to, to me, Penrith just weren't good. They 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 weren't terrible. If you if you didn't know that Penrith were good and you just looked at that game as an outsider, you'd think it was two pretty even teams. But in reality, to me, Penrith just apart from that training one run try they got down the left where Brisbane were just invisible in defence, they just didn't really offer anything in attack. And it, I thought it was very telling watching. Um, you know, sorry, just to go back to the Manly game, but watching Ruben Garrick murder three tries on the left today. And and a few times I said, well, you know, Pangai Jr. would have scored that because of that beautiful put down he got in the corner there. Um, Brisbane just, they actually aimed up. They didn't have a lot in attack. They didn't really offer much, but Penrith didn't ask much of them. See, and I'm so going to disagree. I'm going to disagree with you, mate, because I. I thought that was one of the most entertaining games of the year. I thought that both sides were throwing oh, the it. intensity. The intensity oh. from both sides was amazing. Penrith were throwing plenty at Brisbane, but they were absorbing it. And they were actually asking something of the Penrith defence for a change and actually testing them out. And they actually were found wanting from time to time. I actually thought that it was a, a, a it was a gold class standard for me. Well, I, I also enjoyed the game. So I'm I'm not I'm not trying to put Brisbane down. I just don't I think Brisbane it's not like an old Sharks performance where the opposition played down to their level per se. I just, I think lots of little things the Panthers did just weren't quite coming off. And the little, all the little one percenters that make them stand out against every other team in the comp usually just weren't quite there. So they still mm. looked a good team. They just didn't look a great team and Brisbane did step up. So it was a very enjoyable game and I liked it a lot. Okay. Well, let's have some speculation time. Uh, we could see some footage of Kevin Walters before the match. He looked extremely animated. In fact, more animated than maybe I've ever seen him before. Are we able to speculate on what he was saying in there? Obviously, Xander, you said there's no Milford. He was, I'm, I assume he wasn't screaming repeatedly. There's no fucking Milford we're going to win. Uh, what do you reckon he was saying to the players? Because each and every one of that 1-17 to came out like a man possessed. I mean, 
maybe maybe uh, Walters was told that he if he didn't start winning soon, he'd lose the job. And he was just yelling at the team to say, you fuckers are going to cost me my my dream job. You better aim up. <laughs> that didn't work for Seabold, though. Yeah. He used to say <laughs> yeah. that week in, week out. <laughs> and he used to start off with you fuckers, I believe. Each and every time. Yeah, I have. I mean, I have no idea what he said. It's it's kind of hard for me to imagine because um, Walters is such a a lovely sounding, softly spoken mm. kind of guy. It's just it's hard for me to work it's out bizarre. how he, how he got anyone riled up. Do you reckon he could have um, maybe, for example, with Pangai Junior? Do you reckon he went up to him and yelled that he might absorb some of his gambling debts if he plays well today? Does he have a lot of gambling debts? You know, he plays the pokies, mate. That's yeah, been quite well documented. Right, or he could have said that. to Brody Croft, "I'll make you a real boy one day." <laughs> hard, hard to say but i know there was a bit of an interview with fox uh from matt lodge and he didn't mince his words he said he basically told a few players if you play well today or you can get the fuck out like milford apparently that's what he said really yeah so that well, spray effective. came with a whole bunch of threats and i've got to say it worked but mario you'd have to imagine you heavy can't use that each week that's a one-off isn't it you'd think so Look, he's been using some um interesting methods so far this season to try and get people to be impressed by him i think you could say um oh, can you sorry, furnish us aside, with some examples to, mate not particularly because i've only heard people talking about them but i haven't actually watched them because i don't want to hear a word that fucker says usually sorry just to go back to the manly game again but there was a quote i needed to share see this Sam, this Turbank is what said. we're going to cop the whole podcast we had a whole pre-show about this mate no, 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 we no, knew no, that mario We'll not stop talking about this manly game. And we we had a few. No, so, can you, can you well, read out some of those just, retorts you've got there? No, no, a Tommy Turbo quote after the game, and that someone one of the one of the people on the sideline says to him, "Oh, you know, you did you did pretty well. You know, kept him to zero. And he said, "You keep sides to zero, you win more games than you don't." That's that's insightful. I yeah, gotta say, that's Confu- mean, Confucius yeah, like, just, isn't it? Just incredible. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. I thought that just needed to be shared. No, it's like, it's like <laughs> yeah. It, it reminds me of uh, I think it was Brayton Astor once said, um, you know, if you win, if you score more points than the opposition, you tend to win. Yeah. Oh, you did. He wasn't able to cite <laughs> too many examples to the contrary, was he? Poor old Brayton. <laughs> have you guys um seen that Brayton Astor KFC ad by the way with Brian oh, Fletcher? Yeah, I, I have. Do you know what really disturbs me is how well Brayton bites into that piece of chicken. Like I go, you should be doing more ads. And fucking less commentary. Let's be honest. I gotta say, I I, I really like that ad. <laughs> it's fucking weird. I want to fucking buy KFC, and it annoys me that Braith has broken through my staunch sales resistance. It's it's funny just because him and I Fletch are actually genuinely quite funny in it. Like, yeah, no. Well, Fletch <laughs> Fletch is a funny man. Fletch is funny generally, but Braith actually, to his credit, is very funny there as well. Like the, he does the Fonz look very he does look very exactly. very well. It annoys me that he's talented at it because you know, to, in in all fairness, he's not that talented in other areas. Poor old Braith. Um, anything you want to add to that about Manly, Mario? <laughs> no, no, no. I'll just say that I always want to buy KFC. I don't need commercials to make me feel that way. Fair enough. Um, this news just in. Apparently, Manly have signed Des Hasler for another 10 years on the back of that one. Hooray. <laughs> He's still, wasn't... he's still picking Jared Cro- uh, Lachlan Croker. So Mate, I know it, it... Lachlan Croker looks like a world beater today, but fuck that. He's still shit. I think he's a coaching genius. I mean, this is this is the greatest rope dope uh, in the history of rugby league. You know, getting hammered for the first five rounds of the, of the NRL, only to come storming in 
to win 36 nil against the, the, the premiership heavyweights, the Titans. What a tactician. Do you want to swap coaches then? <laughs> Wait, I'll swap injuries at this point, although not with your club. Your sucks too. Um, let's, let's all go to an able-bodied club and start supporting that for a change. Um, look, uh, on the next topic, guys, I did want to mention the, the, the Sharks, obviously. That's been a major talking point during the week. They, they lost narrowly to the Knights in the last minute to um, a bit of a, a Tyson Brazil speculated a ponger. Um, in fact, it actually sent Mitchell Pierce's non-sexting arm into a euphoric flurry. I don't know if anyone saw that up in the box. He was tapping um, Adam O'Brien on the head who said, get the fuck away from me. He, clearly, he doesn't like Mitch either. Um, so it's not just me. But the biggest story leading up to this was the actual sacking of John Morris, obviously. It's no secret that in the last couple of weeks, we'd actually touched on this. I said it was a bit of a travesty that he was even been, it was speculated that he'd be replaced by someone else, especially a coach that um, hasn't coached first grade. But I wanted to get your thoughts. Let's not talk about the decision first. What about the way it was done? Apparently, he was told and assured that his job was safe right up until the day he was sacked. Uh, Mario, let's start with you. How did you see all of this circus? I don't really give a fuck about how it was done. Uh, he, it's a professional, you know, it's a, it's a sporting competition. You sign a contract, he's going to get paid out the end of his contract, deal with it. Have, having your, your Karen mother, you know, whinging on social media, fuck off with that shit. If anything, I mean, all she's done is hurt his chances of getting rehired for another job. I think he's a good coach. I'm surprised by their decision. I think, I, I don't think it's necessarily the right decision. And I would be, I think a lot of clubs are, be perfectly happy to have him as their coach because I think he was dealt a shit sandwich of a lineup of players and he did rather well with that lineup. So I, th- I think he's shown enough to suggest he's a good coach. But if the Sharks think that Fitzy's a better coach, then good on them for having the balls to do things that teams like the Dragons and the Seagulls have never had the balls to do. Yeah, I mean, I agree and disagree with with uh, everything you just said there. In the sense that, yes, it's a professional sport. You've got to, um, you know, just just deal with the fact that results um, will carry your career. Um, but by the same token, if the club don't have the balls to be upfront with him, then they're being unprofessional. You know, if he's been told on the Monday that you're safe and that you'll have a role, and then sacked the next day, they're just being that is that is not how a professional organization runs. I mean, if you look at the way American sports run and or, or more professional, you know, uh, clubs are run, they they'll tell you to your face, look, I'm sorry, we're just going in a different direction. You can deal with that. You can you can move on from that, but. For people to be gutless and just not tell you to your face or give you false hope, you know, that's that's when it gets a little bit, you know, dirty, I think. And to build on that, look, it also it does brand damage, right? Yeah. So, you know, the Sharks fan base, Mario, aren't particularly happy about it. And and and, that, and a lot of them will wear the decision. But what they won't wear is is their club doing it in a way that's seen as um, you know, a, a sort of merciless behind the scenes and deceitful. And and clearly that is what has I haven't come found out. That at all. So I, what, I haven't what, found any Sharks fans unhappy about the decision. I've every single Sharks fan I've found, I've spoken to online or wherever, have said they're very happy with the oh, decision. And there's been they, plenty on Twitter, they, mate. Yeah, I've, seen a, I've like, seen a lot on Twitter who are pissed off about it. And there's also, I guess, the landmark lady is the the woman who painted her house after the 2016 GF, uh, blue, black, and white, and has since painted it black completely. <laughs> I didn't um, see that. So yeah, so I mean, there are some disgruntled fans out there, Mario. Is what I'm saying. Fair enough. <laughs> but, but look, that That's aside hilarious. though, let, look, let, let's use Manly as the example. You'd probably be very happy to see Des move on, obviously. But let's just in philosophy assume that, you know, um, you know, he'd been sacked in the same way. As a Manly fan, would you be happy with that? 
Well, that's how Tuvi got sacked. So fuck Dez. <laughs> what about you, Xander? If Robbo, obviously, he's sacred. He will never be sacked. In fact, he'll only be anointed some kind of religious figure in Bondi Junction. But if it was to happen to him, what would your reaction be? If he was sacked in the way Morris was? Yeah. Oh, it just wouldn't happen at, at a professional. Mate, it's a hypothetical human being. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've told you what I think. I love it. it just wouldn't fucking happen, mate. Like, Thanks for your thought experiment. You know, like, there are certain things that you just, you aren't worth hypothetically entertaining. <laughs> Even when someone comes up to you and says, hypothetically, Xander. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I've told, I mean, I've effectively told Do you what I think. Do it for the listeners. I've, I've effectively told you what I think though, right? I mean, you know, the way the Sharks have dealt with it, I would feel the exact same way if it fair happened enough. at my club. Yep, fair enough. Um, and okay, let's go to the decision then, not necessarily the way it was done. Craig Fitzgibbon looks like he'll be coming in there potentially with the assistant of Cameron Corraldo from Penrith. And there is murmurs, but it's certainly unconfirmed and probably not going to happen that Craig Bellamy might move into some kind of overarching head of football role, I should say. How do we feel about that? Craig Fitzgibbon obviously is coming. Everyone gets a bit mad about, you know, assistant coaches coming from good systems and the Melbourne Storm and the Roosters seem to be at that sort of best practice standard in the NRL. So everyone sort of froths over those guys, but he is untested at first grade guys. Um, I thought it was just an unusual decision, even in the, in the, in the practicalities of it, in that you've got someone who has been tested over two seasons of first grade and made the finals twice and has done very well in the junior grades at Cronulla as well versus Craig Fitzgibbon, who, you know, was a champion player. I've got a lot of respect for him, but isn't this a huge roll of the dice for Cronulla? I mean, it's very ambitious. I would have thought so. Um, You know, there, there are a lot of coaches who, who've even come from the good systems at the Roosters and the Storm, um, and they've still had they've still had difficulty. If you go into a club that doesn't have that same setup, you know, I mean, Adam O'Brien says hi. Adam O'Brien is a great example. Stephen Kearney, yeah, Stephen says, Kearney, fuck you. Yeah, Stephen Kearney from the Storm system at a, during a very strong era for them as well. Anthony Seabold, yes, we could go on. Seabold, I think, is the archetypal cautionary tale. <laughs> um, you know. He should be written into all of yeah. the brothers' grim fairy tales. <laughs> like, like he's it, the wolf that it, rapes the little girl. It does. It doesn't always work. Is the is the moral of the story? In Allegedly, fact, I don't want to be sued. I don't want to be sued. Anthony never raped a girl as a wolf. I just want that to be clear. Go on, Zen. <laughs> to be clear. Garth Brennan, Garth Brennan, and Trent Barrett were the next big coaching things, according to Gus Gould. So you just you never know what you're going to get. But the thing with Craig Fitzgibbon is that he turned down jobs. Tuvi and the Walker brothers and whoever else uh, begging for scraps for any shit club they can get. Fitzgibbon waited for a club that he wanted to coach for whatever reason. And he's chosen and he chose the, Sharks. the Sharks. I think that does. It, it's a strange decision, honestly. It, if you're going to knock back the Warriors and the Cowboys, then why go for the Sharks? I do find it a little bit strange, but at the same time, the way the Sharks have done it does show that they're, willing to go out there and and I think okay honestly I think the reason Fitzgibbon has made that decision is because the Sharks have got like two-thirds of their squad coming of contract he's going to have almost a blank slate to work with yeah from next year he can sign the players he wants he can pick he can he's going to get a few players from you guys probably only ones you don't want I imagine but still good ones and yep. maybe I, I've already said my farewells to Nat Butcher yep and a few ex-roosters who've gone elsewhere might end up saying, well, we want to go play with Fitzy. And I think Lindsay Collins will end up there because, you know, he's he's just one of those underrated players that I think that you guys will let go. 
No, we, we I, him, I, I don't think we underrate Lindsay Collins. Trust me. No, he is uh, mm. definitely looked upon as heir apparent to JWH, actually. I, I see Matt Burton landing at, landing at the Sharks. I, I reckon he's going to find a way to backflip on, on the um, Bulldogs and then just go to the Sharks. That'd be a great get for them, wouldn't it? It would. He's, he's good, isn't he? He's a good Ooh. player. Mate, he scares me how good he is, to be honest, because he's had very little first grade exposure and he already looks bigger, stronger and faster than most of his contemporaries there. Like in the same way that Harry Grant looked like he'd been there for a while, Matt Burton also looks like he's yeah. been there for ages. He's just a bit of a, he's a bit, to me, he's, he's a bit of a Zion Williamson. He just, he just walks into the big grades, comes out of college ball and doesn't give a fuck. He just instantly owns everyone. And he's just, he looks calm and casual, which is mm. the way the best players I think have always looked. Yeah. Your, your JT, your Thurston's, your, your Johns's, they just look on that level above. And I think Burton, considering he's playing behind other players and stuff, he walks in and he just looks really, really good. I'll say this about, uh, you know, Fitzgibbon and the move to the Sharks. It does look as though I'll give them something that Cronulla seem to have some major ambition at the moment. And you know that because they're chasing this trio of new coaches, including Craig Bellamy. They're really aiming for the top. And we know that it, they've also done a lot in a corporate sense to actually resurrect the club from the days where it had zero sponsorship, was in major debt, salary cap problems, and we had the the chairman doing coke off some chick's tits in the boardroom. They've come a long way since then. I missed that last bit. <laughs> I might be embellishing yeah, somewhat. But there, was, there was definitely coke being done at the top of the organisation. Um, so they're obviously turning it around in a 360 degree sense of the club on the field. And, you know, when it comes to corporates and advertising, et cetera, they might lack a bit of nuance when it comes to the footy side of things is probably, you know, it might be a fair statement to say with the axing of, of Morris, but look, I hope it actually pays off for them. I don't hate the sharks. I think that they've, you know, um, they've done reasonably well uh, in recent times, obviously 2016 being the outlier season of success. Um, major rebuilding phase, as you alluded to before, Mario. You got about 19 players coming off contract. No doubt there would be a huge clean out done. Um, I just don't know if Craig Fitzgibbon is is going to be the man to do it. You know, because he's untested. I, I I say good luck to them, but I'll say this though: I don't think they're going to land Craig Bellamy because he's sort of made no secret of the fact that he, he wants to, to step back. Well, no, I, I've heard he wants to step back and just take the overarching role at Melbourne. I don't think he ah, wants really? to leave Melbourne at all. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Um, he was on Brett Vinch's podcast about a month ago and Brett he, he said podcast? explicitly, yeah, it's called Vinchy Uncensored or something. Um, you know, it's thank goodness it's uh, a non-visual medium because I think he flops his cock out a lot. Um, but he's no, he's basically said he wants to take, because the way that Craig Bellamy approaches coaching, I think he puts in 70, 80 hours a week and it's killing him. And he'll be happy to kind of step back to a part-time role, which for him would be 40 hours a week and just being more of a consultative um, overarching figure. And I don't see him leaving Melbourne. I don't know if you guys feel differently about that. Can you guys see him Melbourne? What about you, Mario? There's no way. Look, if he leaves Melbourne, it's for the new Brisbane team or for the Brisbane Broncos, maybe, but I reckon that's the least likely option. He's just not leaving Melbourne, but there's no way he's going to the Sharks. Who the fuck wants to go and live in Cronulla amongst those people? My God. Fitzy I'll, does. I'll live almost anywhere in Sydney. <laughs> Fitzy can't wait, mate. He's been biding his time, knocking back offers, and he's chosen the Shire. Uh, maybe it's he's because a- he's the whitest man that's ever existed and he wants to be amongst his people. Not sure. He's Look, you mentioned something interesting there, Mario. You mentioned the, the Brisbane too. Surely that's going to be Wayne Bennett, isn't it? 
I think Bennett and Bellamy. I think Bennett as the head coach, Bellamy as the director of football, the, the you know, they'll in some way work together. I mean, Bennett's been a co-coach before. Maybe they'll co-coach it. Can you imagine those two, if somehow it actually worked, the two best coaches, at least of our lifetimes, if, you know, we haven't seen Jack Gibson. So at least since him, that, oh my God, they'd just be insanely good. Every single player would want to go there and every player would go for unders. If I'm if I'm Jason Taumalolo, I'm walking out of my contract tomorrow to go play with those two for 200 grand a year less because I know I'm going to win multiple titles. I think that could be too many haggard cooks spoiling the broth, but what do you think, Xander? I, yeah, I don't see it happening. I don't think they particularly like each other. I think they don't get on. Um, yeah, and, they had a falling out, didn't they? Yeah, and uh, and and you know, like that—that that is, I think, part of what drives. Um, like they're very, very different coaches. Um, Bennett is a much more uh, stand-back director, light touch kind of guy. Where have the odd affair? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, whereas Bellamy is much more in the detail. He's 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 much more, um, I think, meticulous and directly involved in analytical, and he. And he always gets really up for any game against the Bennett coach team. Cause, you know, and that's why he has something like a 75 to 80% win yeah. ratio against Bennett coach teams. Yeah. Like he has, he absolutely has made him his bunny. I don't think he would want to be having, you know, any Bennett being the coaching director of his team. You know, I, I just yeah. don't see it at all. I think a bit of that was to do with Cameron Smith too. He loved playing Brisbane. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, to, I mean, but you know, Smith's been gone still this and year it, again happened. But look, to Mario's point, could that not be the perfect blend? You talked about the differences. Of course, it's probably bad if they came with the same set of attributes. If they complemented each other, I know there might be a personality conflict, but if they complemented each other in their skill set, they could be, as I, Mario said, the ultimate super duo. I just don't think, um, I just don't see, uh, I don't see Bellamy in particular playing second fiddle to Bennett or, you know, I, I, it, it would or, have to be a partnership, wouldn't it? It would, an have, equal partnership. it would have to be an equal partnership. And I just don't think that that'd work like you know i'm not suggesting I can't it's see likely but imagine i'm just saying that those two are so good that they if they did decide to they would make it work and they would crush every motherfucker on the way mario this podcast is not a second rate forum for your fanciful whims mate i want actual, I want actual analysis thank you very much not can you Tonight imagine it, it is because you make you made me drink. I'm sorry. You're the one who forced me to play this late and get on the beers. So no, I appreciate that, mate. <laughs> I've had three or four glasses of wine, but um, I might actually crack one open in a moment. But before we do that, I want to, because we're talking about the storm, um, the game between the storm and the roosters, we'll get into that a little bit more detail later in terms of the result. But something that caught my eye was storm's approach to head knocks in that game. I thought was a bit dubious Xander, uh, notably, uh, you know, we had Harry Grant and we had Munster both received direct head knocks. None of them went to an HIA. What was that about? Well, I mean, uh, Harry Grant eventually did get head binned after staying on for about an extra 15 minutes after the initial head knock. That's not how HIAs work. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it was, I think it was verging on cynical. Um, I, you know, I, I, I do think that there probably does need to be some greater level of oversight um, given what happened, that was yeah. I don't know, to to me, it just it seemed not how the how the rule is meant to be uh, to be used. Is it fair to say, Mario, that you know when you see the storm doing this, it's not the first time, by the way, that it, it they seem to have ducked and dodged um, the necessity to have you know head knocks checked out thoroughly. That Melbourne may not have 
you know, the welfare of their players central to their game strategy. Maybe winning is everything. And sure, they played brilliantly, but at what cost? Sure, that's uh, surely that's just been proven so many times by now. Storm don't give a fuck about the opposition or their own players. They're out to injure. They're out to win. But th- that being said, Penrith and Storm surely are up for big fines and for and forced sit downs of players. Nathan Cleary won the game very, very clearly concussed. It was as absolutely clear as crystal. If you watch the multiple plays after he got hit in the head, he um, was sitting behind the defensive line for multiple tackles in a row and he was stumbling when he got hit and then Munster was probably quite similar and then was also quite relevant but you know Storm were going to win anyway that probably didn't make as big a difference but it's still it's still cynical and dodgy and those two teams that a lot of a lot of Storm apologists are coming out trying to deflect towards Penrith as being the dirtiest team in the comp because they need some way to hide what the storm continue to do, but they're not wrong is the thing. Penrith are no better than the storm this year and perhaps last year as well in terms of any sort of morality, any sort of conscience that bereft. <laughs> I like that. That's very, you almost finished on a poetic note there, Mario. I enjoyed that. Look, and, and as you said, there's already been precedent, right? <laughs> uh, the Canterbury Bulldogs were, they copped a fine uh, for a couple of weeks ago and they left Lachlan Lewis on for only one set of six. Uh, although in their defense, Lachlan Lewis always looks concussed um, at any point of the day. He just looks like he's got, his brain is whirling uh, because it's never quite keeping up with the play. Uh, but that was, that was like one set of six. We had Melbourne Storm players this round staying out there for 15 minutes. And as you said, I, I didn't take as close a note of Nathan Cleary, but you know, he went on to have a stellar game as did Munster. And I mean, Brian Pappenhausen as well. I mean, he copped the shoulder and looked to be knocked out cold for a moment. Yeah, I couldn't but, believe he came back. But he, he somehow passed the HIA. And if this isn't a storm thing, maybe it's more of a critique of HIAs in general, because if the Pap, if Pappenhausen was able to come back from that, then what, what is the use of this fucking test? Because he was knocked out cold. Yeah, he was out. And it's it's so clear to the eyes. I, I'm not a doctor. Shock. You know, I'm, I'm basically Braith and Astor when I say that. Then why were but you asking to see my penis every, last week? Well, the, come on. Everyone wants to see it. I was trying to get a photo for the fans and you wouldn't bloody come to the party. You're a disgrace. But you, you look at these guys that when they're clearly knocked out, they're seeing stars. I don't care if they can find a way to trick the HIA test. They're seeing stars, get them the fuck off and keep them off and force them to stay off for an extra week. UFC, people get a concussion. They're out for for months. They're forced to be out for months. So is that just a sport that gives a fuck or is it because they have a big gap between um, events anyway? I'm not sure, but come on. If AFL has a better system on concussions than us, then there's something fucking wrong because AFL should never be better than us at anything. They suck. Xander, there's one thing I thought was particularly galling uh, in that Melbourne game, and obviously uh, I'm a Roosters fan, so people are going to think this is sour grapes, but it was when Munster pretended to be knocked out and then as soon as we got sin-binned, he hopped straight to his feet and they went on happily playing 13v12 and did some damage in that time. How do we feel about teams sort of manipulating the HIA system, one that's been brought in for some serious health reasons? You mean diving? Well, but, but I mean, this is the, the reason that I guess this whole sin binning of, has come in is because we're taking concussion more seriously now, right? So they know that it's about leveling up the ledger 
we need to make sure that the the people who have been aggrieved don't get disadvantaged by foul play. And it feels as though a team like Melbourne is actually exploiting that. Yeah, I mean that certainly what it looks like. I, I take um I take Mario's point that uh, you know Penrith have probably also been a little guilty of it as well. And this is this has always been the concern about these rules is that coaches are going to work out a way to game the system. So I suppose it just comes down to how do you how do you um work against that how do you how do you tweak the rules to make it harder for coaches to do that and make sure it's more it, it is strictly about player welfare I don't, I don't really know the answer i think maybe it's more independent doctors and maybe take it out of the, the the club doctor's hands i'm not sure what about well i've always argued for independent doctors for a start i think it's a no-brainer it's weird that we don't have that but could it be that maybe when a player is lying down for x amount of time that's automatic. You take them off for 10 minutes. Surely that's enough of a disincentive to stop people from diving at the ground. Yeah, potentially. I mean, you know, that would have certainly had a, would have changed the calculus, hopefully from, from Munster, if he was going to be forced to go off for 10 yeah. minutes and then maybe miss a week. Well, he went off for about eight seconds. I don't mm. know if you noticed that he went to the sideline, they analyzed him and he ran straight back Gave on again. Yeah. You know, some freshen ups and I'm sure that's not what that rules about, but we will push on to other topics. Now um, I'm almost at odds to do this Xander, because as you know, I, um, I feel mortally wounded every time you bring up the rival code on this show. This is a rugby league podcast. In fact, you mentioned rugby union so often, Xander, you may not know this, that many of the uh, podcast aggregators now list our show as rugby league slash rugby union. That's your fault. I'm, I'm very unhappy. That's about just you. that's just the Victorians because they don't understand that there are two codes of rugby. However, it's happened. I'm annoyed. Is what I'm trying to say. And his this... Amen is the one bringing it up. So I know, well, but I know. for a reason, Mario. It's because of a man named TJ Perinara. Now I have no, I fucking idea who he is. I believe he's related. He's related to <laughs> he's related to Henry Perinara. You told me off, yep. Mike. Um, but well, I want to go to you, mate. I want to. Apparently, the Roosters are in preliminary discussions with him to bring him across. He could be a half. He could be a saviour for a team that's had about thirty-eight injuries in the last eight minutes. Could he be the saviour for the Roosters this year? Well, I mean, you know, this is. It, it's been. It's been. Um, I, I suppose entertained a fair bit over the last few days, but I, reading into it, there seems to be a bit of uncertainty. Some suggestion that um, maybe his management are just using it to push up his price back in New Zealand. Mm. However, um, I have heard that um, you know, Sonny Bill Williams is obviously involved with the Roosters still. Um, he's good mates with him. They played. Uh, they played in in the All Blacks together. They were in. You know, I think Sonny Bill had a stint with him in Super Rugby. I can't remember, but. Checker apparently has had some contact with him. There is a bit of a, uh, there is a, a union connection within the setup of the Roosters. You know, they got Fred, Frederick uh, Michelac, the former French fly half, who's in the coaching setup now as well. Um, that's through Robbo, isn't it? Yeah, that's through Robbo. Yeah. Um, and they, they will, they understand, I guess, where players would be able to make the transition. And a halfback in rugby union is effectively, you know, the most analogous position to a hooker in league. Like, I mean, it's, it's, you know, like even the numbers, it's the only number that's the same where the position actually does the exact same thing. Um, so he would be, uh, you know, having, having played halfback for the All Blacks and for the Hurricanes, he'd certainly have dealt with the intensity, uh, you know, and the, have the match fitness you would think even even still uh to to make the transition whether or not he'd be able to go straight into nrl i don't know but he would certainly have the the uh the professionalism to be able to manage it i think okay so this guy's 29 years old and you're saying he'd come across as a potential number nine to, to replace jake friend yeah yeah okay he's, um he's, he's zippy you know small he's got he's, there's a uh, his family have a have um uh, long had league links you know i think he played league growing up 
um, you know, supports it still, understands the game, mm. you know. He'd, he'd be capable of doing I wouldn't throw him straight in. No. Well, he's come from Union. Yeah. Surely he'd be a turnstile in defence. <laughs> well, he plays, plays for the All Blacks. And, okay. you know, the, the All Blacks tend to know how to tackle. I think you're thinking of just Australia. <laughs> I probably am thinking of the Wallabies. Like, they haven't affected a tackle in a decade, have they? No. Do rugby halfbacks make tackles? It's not really their job, unless I'm mistaken. No, I well, they George do, right? Gregan made- well, yeah, exactly. George Gregan was famous for being the only guy who could tackle Lomu. Um, if so only they... he could tackle his business accounts. Big <laughs> shout out to his defunct business. Great, great cafes, mate. Great cafes. You're not going to leave it at that, are you? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> great cafes. What a segue. Uh, um, although I'm going to say this. How much would you pay for a guy like this? I don't think we have, what I'm reading is we've only got... Um, you know, not much space to move in terms of money because we're not getting a concession on Jake Friend this year. Um, so the words I'm hearing really? are b- bargain basement prices. Yeah, 135,000. So he's not doing it for the. He's not yeah. doing this for the cash. Then well, why is he doing? That's it? that's kind of why it's a, you know there are question marks over it, and that's why there's some suggestion that maybe it's about you know a broader you know doing negotiating. It quite yeah, a broader negotiating tactic. Well, that's what that's what Andrew Mertens has suggested in uh, the the City Morning Herald today. I read very little Mertens. <laughs> well, anyway, the newspaper of Sydney <laughs> says today. Um, Thank you, mate. In doing the research for this 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 uh, particular episode, I I read the I read the piece about you went through the, the board sheets. Um, <laughs> he, he has some pretty biting things later on, listeners, to talk about the vaccine rollout. But go on. <laughs> And wait, why, just why wait till it's, you, a, it's a gendered rollout. Just, uh, <laughs> just wait till you hear my financial time summary. Um, <laughs> Can't wait for it. But no, I mean, you know, there, there's this suggestion there might be some contracting stuff, but also the fact that he's he's always ha- wanted to have a crack at league as well. And he's decent. He's a good player. He, he's you're a Roosters fan. Would you want to see him in the tricolors? Yes, he played for the All Blacks. Of course, yeah. I want to see him. I mean, I don't know what that means. I fucking hate Union. <laughs> I don't know what that <laughs> you, means. You know what it means in so far as that they are the most statistically dominant team in the history of. But who are they playing? Sports. Are they are they smashing up France? I don't know who they're playing. I mean, <laughs> they're, fucking hell. Well. You know, I mean, I know Australia is meant to be a powerhouse, mate, and they don't know how to run properly. We haven't meant to be. We were a powerhouse twenty years ago. Now nobody thinks of us as a powerhouse anymore because all the play, all the feels like yesterday. All the areas who used to used to play union now play freaking Victorian rules. I got to say this: too much union, we're losing our audience. Now I want to bring this back to (laughs) James Maloney. Now there's talk for this uh, Perinara bloke, but is Maloney still on the table? Because as a Roosters fan, I want him back. He's categorically said no. What can we do to convince him? <laughs> he basically said he's too old and he, he's, he's like, not too old. Yeah. That's bullshit. He's playing well over there. Well, he's playing for the Catalan Dragons. Apparently, yeah. they beat the All Blacks last week. I don't know if you know that. Now, um, Murray, you mentioned something earlier, and um, I'm going to make a shameless segue towards that. It's about the Penrith Panthers. Now, they've been labeled too arrogant. Uh, you seem to sort of push back against that assertion, suggesting it might have been a little bit of uh, Melbourne Storm propaganda. But the reason people are saying this about the club is um, their overly exuberant celebrations. In particular, last week where they they brought in an oppos- opposition player after they scored a try and started hugging him, and it ended up turning into a bit of a brawl, including one of the trainers. Do we think that the Penrith Panthers? I'll probably start with you, Xander, first. Do you think that they are a little bit arrogant for a team that hasn't won a premiership yet? Oh, I've heard a lot about this stuff. I mean, I, I haven't really. I, I think it's a beat up. 
to be honest. I don't think there's all that much in it. I think there's a little bit, you know. It's there. not it's not a beat up when it comes to Crichton. Like he's got plenty of form on the board, rubbing people's heads and giving them nipple cripples, occasionally sort of giving them a slap across the bum I mean, when he scores a try. You know, but he's not the only player who does it. I mean, you know, like Trell famously has a lot of niggle in him. We saw a bit of that today, you know. Yep. It's it's, you Ooh, know, it's yes, a competitive yeah. sport, you know, people, you know, and 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 to be honest, they're kicking everyone's ass at the moment. They haven't lost a game all year. They can do it until they lose. See, I, I'm, I'm with you, right? I love arrogance, but I like it when it's deserved and they're talented, which of course they are. <laughs> it's just, they haven't no, lost. No, they are. But yeah, no, here's, here's my caveat. They haven't won shit yet. Well, they haven't won a title yet. Yeah, you know? that's and, what it's all about. What, who cares if you won round nine? You've got to win a title before you can be this arrogant. I don't know if there is a set of rules about when you can be arrogant. I mean, the thing is, though. I mean, there's no constitution. <laughs> this know, is Eamon's like, like, law. You just... The whistle goes off. Sorry, mate, but until you've won a premiership, you have to keep it in your pants. What think. kind of celebrations have you seen? <laughs> Latrell Mitchell ones. Um, I have a question. Go for it. When when Mark Riddell had the greatest ever post-try celebration, was that 2010? Um, I'm trying to think when that was. I thought it was earlier than then. Yeah, I don't know, but I still remember he there jumped over so, and... and, and uh, so if it's <laughs> earlier... Fans. If it's earlier, then, oh, Riddell, fuck you. You're arrogant. You shouldn't have celebrated like that. Fuck out of here with that shit. If you're Agreed. winning, you celebrate. Good on celebrating. Not Mario, interested in this utter bullshit. Mario, you're conflating celebrations with arrogance. I, I, everyone's allowed to celebrate, mate. No one's got a problem with that. It's the deliberate involvement of the opposition and rubbing their head saying, fuck you. That's a little bit different from uh, a post-trial celebration like Mark Riddell's. You must see the difference there. I'm here for it. You know, I'm I, look, for it. there's two. I'll, I'll just make two final comments on this. A is uh, one of them union related. No, you're not allowed. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just one last thing on that. The Melbourne Storm and the All Blacks are linked. Just saying. Anyway, done. Um, <laughs> but uh, what I will say is, uh, you know, to, to close out on this, I'm more than happy for them to be arrogant wankers. A because it means that people hate us a little bit less they're focused on the panthers and, and hating them no, we don't. and i've seen comments on twitter to you know to the effect of jesus the roosters have won premierships and they're not even this arrogant i even hate the i hate the the, the panthers more than the roosters i'm like i'm all for that that aspect of it okay so there's self-interest <laughs> self-interest and and b uh you know if they're going to be this arrogant and it all blows up in their faces again then well it's the perfect comeuppance so you'd like to see two exactly. successive grand final losses yeah. with them being arrogant they, the whole time. <laughs> you know, they could they could get to the next grand final and then completely bottle it again. Yeah. And it'll be hilarious. Yeah. So you almost want them to be like one of those cartoonish 80s movies villains that <laughs> seem really successful for the first and second acts, but ultimately are unsuccessful yep. when just, Batman just kicks their ass. <laughs> exactly. Just loses their brains <laughs> in the end. Well, it's Which interesting. Is... I love navigating through your mind. But Sandra. I think I think it's I think it's a great story. Like it's it's entertaining to as a fan, you know, it was not a great story for the poor flyer that they pull into their fucking celebration huddles. Not great for them, and it's not great for the trainer who they punch in the face, who wears glasses, who might get glass in his eyes, according to Buzz Rothfield. Um, he legitimately wrote a column about that, by the way, that he he was against the trainer getting involved in the melee because he wore glasses. He sounded a bit like Pol Pot. You wouldn't hit a man with glasses on, would you? I've just learned that Ivan Cleary is um, Brad Pitt in Moneyball. Exactly. And who knew? Because obviously one's devoid of charisma and one's got heaps of it. So it's uh, it's well disguised. And he never won anything. <laughs> I'm just saying. He has got a chin. 
That's right. He has had a, a few losing grand finals. One very notable one in 2011. I'm sure you remember Mario. But look, there was some a bit of a reaction here from Matt Burton and Brian To'o last game, who uh, after Matt Burton scored, he got up and did a very simple gentleman's handshake, which I think was a bit of a fuck you to the criticism. I know. And and also, might I say, copying the roosters, because that is how our classy players act. Well, we are trendsetters. Um, in fact, they've also cheated the cap just like or us. was it only for the for the um, Burton post-try celebration because he signed with the Bulldogs so none of them want to hug him because they're like, fuck you, you idiot. You've gone to the Bulldogs. We're not yeah. hugging you. We might catch Barrett. We don't want that. It's contagious. It's it's made Flanagan an even worse player. It, I've got to say, just, just on Barrett, um, you know, we everyone uh, at the end of last season were talking about what a great assistant coach he was and, geez, how he'd really revolutionised. I know you weren't, Mario. You were ahead of the curve on this one. Um, but, you know, that he'd revolutionised the Panthers' attack. Um, Jesus, that doesn't look accurate right now, does it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I'd argue he has, he's revolutionized it, just By not leaving. for the better. Yeah. <laughs> in leaving, they've, they, they've been putting heaps of points on every team, and, and he's, the team he's coaching has, hasn't scored a point barely. No, it's, it's very different from last year. I love it. Like, you know, his team has scored less tries than the Morris Twins. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually a funny comparison. It's true, though. I, I, if I was turning up to a Canterbury game, that would be the big placard that I'd bring with me. I think he actually they scored, they've scored less tries than, than Brett Morris specifically. <laughs> I, I, on the I did enjoy that Pappenhausen still outscored the team even when they scored 18 points. Yeah, that's right. He did too. He's by himself. He's a freak though, the Pap. Um, on the Morrises, do you think that um, obviously Brett's carving and, and Josh has been going well for the last couple of years, but he, he's looking a bit uh, rotund this year. Have you noticed that? Josh is carrying a bit of carriage. And then I, I was reading an article this morning which suggested it was actually an interview with Brett Morris who said, we're not a package deal. Some of us might retire earlier than others. In other yeah, words, I saw that. the Roosters might be thinking about getting rid of Josh Morris and keeping Brett. Would you be happy with that, Xander, as a Roosters fan? A obviously, we love the Morai. We love the, we love the package deal. But if we had to get a, rid of one, obviously, it's goodbye Josh, isn't it? My understanding was that, no, it, was, it wasn't so much a matter of getting rid of one, but that maybe Josh just wanted to retire earlier. Oh, that's why he's got fat. Yeah, that's probably His heart's that not makes in it a bit more sense. He's like, oh fuck it, this is my last season. Yeah. Past the pizza. I think so. You should move him into the eight. We need some forwards. And I think he weighs more than Jared now, so it'd probably work out well. I have a bit of a hot take. Brett Morris will not retire until he passes Ken Irvine's record because Alex Johnson is gonna pass it anyway. And Brett Morris wants to be the all-time greatest try scorer. So he's playing for three more years at least. So you think that the rugby league record books in a few years' time will read A. Johnson at the top of the list? I do. And Brett but Morris that is will a be hot second. Take. I think they will both overtake Beaver and then Ken Irvine because I think Brett Morris, the way he's playing, has got two or three more good years in him. And assuming that you guys have a half-decent season for injuries that you haven't had the last two years, he's going to score a fuck-ton more tries Yep. So I think he can he can get over two hundred and then keep going. Um, look, this gentleman's celebration that uh, Matt Burton and Brian To'o were sort of mimicking. Do you think that that's <laughs> something that uh, rugby league could potentially implement on a permanent basis? Because I, I, as a spectator, I think that the game could stand to have a little bit more dignity in it, particularly uh, with the bad press that John Burgess has inflicted on the sport. Do we think maybe we want to go down the road of somewhere like tennis? who has the kind of little gentleman's clap, you know, the two fingers in the palm, or maybe when someone's lining up a kick Xander, that we have a little quiet, please. And then everyone goes a hush 
as someone kicks from the sideline. Should rugby league go down that avenue? I'm not familiar with this sport you speak of. Tennis. Okay, I'm going to go to you, Mario. <laughs> Surely you've watched a little bit of racquetball in your time. Uh, I'm more of a squash player than racquetball, but in terms of tennis, I really want to know who's our Nick Kyrgios. Is it is it the cheese? Is it yeah. Munster? I feel like it's got to be one of those. Latrell Mitchell. It's probably it probably would be Latrell actually. You know who sort of courts equal press, bad and good in same measure. And I feel like Nick Kyrgios is someone like that as well in 50-50%. Yeah, look, I don't know. For me, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more dignity injected into the game. You know, a little bit of spit and polish on the balls after a Burgess squirrel grip, for example, I think might take us to another echelon. Um, But actually a bit of a segue here. I want to know from you guys, favourite post-try celebrations. And no, Mario, you can't cite Mark Riddell again. We have a Mark Riddell limit. You mentioned it more than twice and you're off the show. So you have to come up with another one. In your mind, Mario, we'll start with you. Has there been a post-try celebration that you think has stood above the rest? Of the hand grenade? Uh, yep, the famous Blues origin Brian Fletcher hand grenade, uh, which apparently uh, was yeah, motivation for the decade that. of excellence that the Maroons inflicted on us not long <laughs> afterwards. Do you buy into that, Xander? Do you think that a, a fake Brian Fletcher hand grenade really caused the decade of domination? No, because they ended up losing the majority of the next five series anyway. This is true. <laughs> I mean, like, how dare we, you throw we, facts we, in? You know, that was 2000. We still ended up winning three more. I've had a the... few wines, mate. I can't remember that far back. <laughs> uh, no, they just didn't have. Um, they just didn't have their their once in a generation freakish players back then. And yeah, we, we had we had Fittler and Johns and you know Badira still in the side, so they weren't going to dominate. Look, not to critique the, yeah. the, the hand grenade moment too much, but. Ryan Girdler definitely jumped early and ruined the whole thing. Because, you know, the idea was that the explosion knocked them off their feet. <laughs> he went early. And for me, that takes marks off it, Mario. I'm sorry about that. Well, anyway, if um, you want to know my actual favourite try celebration, that's it's why I asked. very clear and no one who's not a Manly fan will agree. It's when Beaver Menzies scored the second last try in the 2008 grand final and just everyone jumped on top of him. There wasn't any particular post-try celebration, but I was too busy with tears streaming down my eyes to actually notice what was going on. And I, to this day, I watch that game and I watch it often because my five-year-old son is obsessed with watching that game. And I still get chills when I see that try happen because it was just one of the greatest moments of my entire life. I do love it. And I guess there's not a whole lot to celebrate if you are a Manly fan, Xander. What did you have? Uh, well, you know, I actually had a more unconventional one, but my uh, my favourite post-try um, celebration, I mean, apart from the Riddell one, which I agree is is probably one of the most creative and funny ones. Because he broke the fourth wall. He did. He genuinely did. Um, it, it has to be uh, the, the 2016 um, uh, Origin match-winning try, Aaron Wood's attempt to high-five and missing everybody's <laughs> celebration. <laughs> that is so good, isn't it? Just, that is a completely that inadvertent and just, unintentional. It's, it's still one of the most memorable post-try celebrations <laughs> just because he completely misses the entire... Like, there's a huddle of all the players coming up to celebrate and he just flies flat in his face. <laughs> you know what I loved about it? It was actually the sheer athleticism for him to do the Fosby flop over the shoulder of everyone. How did, how did Woods get that much air? That's what I never worked out. He was like he was shot out of a cannon, which is weird because he looks like one of the circus freaks that would be shot out of a cannon in the Victorian age. I'm, I'm watching it again now, actually. It is incredible because, like, there's no way he should miss it. There's nobody with their hand up to do a high five. Just a warning, Xander. This is a podcast, and you watching visual mediums is not going to enthrall our audience, <laughs> so we will have to move on. Um, now, for me, because no one's asked me, but fuck it, I'm going to put my opinion forward. Uh, this is probably one that most people don't remember, but it was a Canberra Raiders game 
where they did the 10 pin bowling and they all lined up in their triangular formation and someone bowled the ball. I can't remember who it was. I remember that. And they all fall down, but this is the ultimate touch. There was one person who played the pin at the back who wobbled a little bit before falling down. Now that is fucking that's attention creative. to detail. That I is, love that. That's creative. I, I actually remember that, but I've forgotten. And there was another one that sticks in my mind. I don't know if you guys remember, but no, no, was... you only get one, mate. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> rugby union related. You're going to love it. Um, no, there's no creativity in the post <laughs> celebrations in union. They do a bit of a WWE recreation. And the reason I love it, it wasn't so amazing in itself because they were bouncing off the uprights like they were bouncing it off a, a WWE ring. But as they were doing it, a really fucking annoyed Andrew Johns pushed the guy over so he couldn't finish it because he was that annoyed. <laughs> that, a, they lost the game on the back of this try and then they were lording this over and he comes in and just knocks this guy off his feet and says, don't fucking do that. And to me, that could be the I do have a question. The top. Go for it, Mario. What, what's the worst post-score celebration? Is it Tim Cahill punching the fucking goalpost? the corner post every damn time, or is it King Gutho with his little King dance? I love the King dance. Oh, this is an easy, easy answer for me. It's Jared Hayne, Jesus pose after origin because, yes, yeah, because he brought his fucking pious religion into it, into a moment that was, it it sullied a moment that was very special for me. It's not pious. It was sanctimonious religion. (laughs) I'm sorry, mate. Of course it was. I mean, did you find the same thing? It was unobjectionable, Xander? I mean, oh, I mean just, it was objectionable, I should say, Xander. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the thing about it as well, in retrospect, it's even more so because he's just so full of shit. Yeah. You know what to I mean? To think it the whole time, he was thinking about a woman's vagina and how to eat it. I mean, it's <laughs> one of... Sorry. I was going to say... But say nothing not, wrong with that particular sentence. The context... No, no, no. Yeah, let me the add context a little bit more detail. Important. <laughs> You're entirely right. In fact, let me furnish a few more words there and make it bleed profusely, um, which is not what that's about. Uh, look, we, we from that, there is no segue, but we'll push on anyway. Um, I wanted to talk about Hooks Dragons, guys, before we get into some NRL trivia, which I have in store for you guys. Um, now, Giannis isn't here, obviously, to um, lord this over us, but did anyone see the Dragons coming out with this start? Uh, not this year, um, no. Well, but I did. I did tip them to beat um, the Eels uh, last week. Well, I, I bet on them to to beat the Eels last <laughs> Which week, which is much more important yeah. than tipping. <laughs> so, so uh, no. I, I to be honest, yeah, really impressed. I, I think we all had them as uh, wooden spooners, but mm. they've just they've come out and they've just played really hard and uh, you know just really error free and tight footy. Yeah, that's the way I've seen it, Mario. It hasn't been that they've come out with some audacious game plan. It's just really hitting the fundamentals and doing it really well. And he's got guys like Corey Norman running direct. Um, he's got that their forwards fired up and really punching into the line. And then obviously on the back of that, Matt Dufty, who is already a good player, is one of the few things that were good about them last year and the year before. He's having a field day on the back of that. They basically the last few years they've looked like a really poorly coached side who had no idea, no direction in defense or attack. And now they look like a team that's actually got a coach. And all of a sudden these players that we had written off as being garbage turns out, maybe they're not garbage when you've, you know, when you look at Tom, Oh, sorry, I'm not going to go back to it. You look at what one player can do coming back to be good. So when every player has suddenly improved just that little bit, then they all lift around them. And that Sharks performance they had in the first round, they looked okay in that game. Yeah, they lost, but they did look better than a lot of people expected. And they could have won that even. And then from then on, they've it's just been 
they've just been, you know, just saying, shove it, you guys. You wrote us off. That, that Mario fuckwit told us to shove a wooden spoon up our ass when he tipped us for 15th. And so now we're going to show you what, what, what can be done. <laughs> that was quite a memorable moment, having the wooden spoon in 15th. Mario, you, you're a man of precedence. That's what I like <laughs> about you. Um, look, you're, I, th- I think you're right, mate. I think you're right. And it's, it's actually good to see that in this world of cynical tactics and, and the Melbourne Storm trying to flog the HIA, et cetera, that there are teams out there who can have success just playing the old fundamentals and, um, and, and just been playing on, honest football. I wouldn't say that they're a tactician's dream. Um, and I will say, I'm assuming they'll probably struggle against the better teams. They haven't necessarily had too many acid tests just yet, but um, they did beat the Eels and beat them well. They beat the Eels at home. Yeah, that, that was certainly a moment, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it was, it was an impressive performance. I kept expecting the Eels to come back in it, but they just, they just strangled the life out of them. Mm. You know? And, you know, the other thing that worried me preseason was the fact that this was a man who is of advancing years and hasn't uh, coached for a few years even though he was coaching well with Penrith before he got the, the hook for the hook, got the hook. Um, I'll delete that. That's a shit dad joke. Um, but my, my, my big problem, thank you, Xander, is that I thought he wouldn't keep up with all these rule changes. It does seem as though hook understands that tempo is one of the most important things at the moment. And the one thing that the dragons are bringing is a fantastic tempo, good tempo, but also a lot of patience. And one of the things I think we've seen with the rule changes is, and I think we saw this a little bit, um, in, in the games over this weekend as well is, is teams uh, can start to panic and try and, uh, you know, try and do too much. Whereas their game plan has been really simple and they've just played, they've just pressured teams and they've, they've waited for their opportunities, mm. you know, and been composed. Yeah. Right? Whereas I think a lot of teams have just been desperate to try and score on, on every, every little momentum shift they get. Yep. Hiding in the weeds, waiting to strike like hook, <laughs> on a Twitter feed with a QAnon page. Just as a side note, Matt Dufty, I think he um, he scored two tries a couple of weeks ago, set up another two. Um, and of course, Luke Lewis gave Paul Vaughan the man of the match. Uh, good old Dally M system. We're going to move on because we are running out of time. We're probably a few topics we're going to leave behind in the rear vision mirror until next episode because it's NRL trivia time. Probably put some intro music there, maybe. If I'm, if I'm lazy, I won't. We'll see what happens. Uh, but guys, this is quite exciting. I didn't realise in the midst of me asking you guys questions at the end of these shows that I actually own an NRL trivia game that someone gave for me <laughs> for Christmas. So why haven't I been using that? No idea. Maybe it's because they're terrible questions. Did Big T give it to you? Because he's used it on Sports Best Friends, I believe. I think he might have the official version. I'm pretty sure I've got the Taiwanese version, knockoff. Um, so I can't vouch for these questions. Standard. There may be a lot of questions about Chinese imperial dominance. I'm, we'll find out soon. Um, yeah. Now, it's, it's going to be you a first to three. Mix. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be first to three. All right. And we're going to start <laughs> with you, Xander. All right. First question, mate. It's multiple choice. Who is the nephew of former Sharks and Rabbitohs player David Peachy? In fact, it's not multiple choice because it'd be too easy. So you have to name that. Tyrone Peachy. It is Tyrone Peachy. Well done. <laughs> All right, I'm going to mark that. Zand, one. <laughs> We're putting this down in a spreadsheet, are we? We are, mate. We'll Is it like first to two? We're going to track <laughs> first to three, mate. We're going to track your progress over a number of years. Okay. Okay. Mario, are you ready? 
No. I'll take that silence as a no. (laughs) All right, mate. Uh, What were the team colours of the Annandale Dales? They're two colours. I need two from you. Who gives a fuck? Uh, That's not in there, mate. So I I am going to need actual colours from the chromosphere. Uh, I said blue and white. I'm sorry, mate. I missed that. Okay, so you've gone with Newtown's colours. Why would you do that for? Yeah. Okay, it's red and gold for the record. Xander. I mean, if, if we get one of these wrong, do we not get the opportunity to answer it? You know what? That would make a whole lot more sense. Okay, so from now on, if one of us gets it wrong, we're moving this on the fly. If one of us gets it wrong, the other person gets to I steal. that's fair. All right. Xander, you're next. I'm sure you knew that. One of five consecutive grand finals reached between 44 and 48. That's a period of yours that you're very, that you love. I know that. How many did Balmain win in, in that time? <laughs> so between 44 and 48, I want to know the number of grand finals reached for the Balmain Tigers. You know what's annoying is I've looked through all this. That is annoying. Um, <laughs> just trying to think. 44 and 48. I know they had a really they had, they had an incredible period actually in the, the the first half of the century. Mate, I don't need those details. I'm, I'm I just say, need the 40s. Well, we all, I'm going to say they 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 reached three. Xander is correct. <laughs> he's on, he's nailed another one. All right, so Xander, you're now on two, and you're one away from victory. Mario, you better catch up, mate. Yeah, you're a bit like treadmill Todd at the moment. Um, which of the following companies, Mario, has been a major sponsor of the Sydney Roosters? Tyson, Steggles, or Butterball? What? Jesus Christ, that's that's even easier than the first question Xander got. Steggles. Correct, mate. You are off the mark. There's a there's a varied range of difficulty, Mario. No need to get angry with the system. You know, that's, there's that's hard a, questions, there's easy I'm questions. Angry. It's a very current trivia box because yeah, <laughs> Steggles is yeah, exactly. It's up to date. There's no Siemens on this one. Remember, we were sponsored by Siemens and Samsung. Yeah, what was annoying with Siemens because it's like come, and people would go, "Oh, you could come on your jersey." And there's not a lot I could say about it because Brad Fittler normally did. (laughs) Um, All right, mate. So we're going over to Xander. This is for the win. Which former New Zealand warrior played hooker for the NRL All Stars side in the 2015 All Stars match? Um, New Zealand hooker. Correct. Would you like to phone a friend? <laughs> Can I phone you? No, I'm <laughs> no, I got no idea. Now, Mario, did you want to steal this? What, what do you want to have? A, you can have a crack at this one. I got no. I got no idea. Isaac Luke. He didn't play for the Warriors yet, so whatever. Yeah, <laughs> both bombed out there. It was Nathan Friend. Ah, Nathan, Nathan Friend. friend. Yes, um, he was good for about three seasons before he went off the cliff three games mario over to you mate Which... actually he's the guy did the um back didn't he score the backflip try he was involved in it yes for the warriors but he didn't end up scoring yeah. it yeah um it was a beautiful sean johnson ball in that he movement anyway pass. but we are digressing which Penrith Panthers forward won the Merv Cartwright medal in 2016 just to be funny surely Bryce Cartwright it's got to just got to be Bryce Cartwright bit of nepotism you think Incorrect, mate. It wasn't yeah. Bryce Cartwright. Uh, you get to steal, Xander. And 2016, was it? Yeah. And stay away from Google, mate. Um, I'm trying to think. Who, who was even playing for Penrith in the forwards? No, this doesn't look promising. I'm, I'm going to say Jason Tarmow. It was not Jason Tarmow. Who's that? 
James is James's lesser known James, brother. James Tarbell. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't play much first grade, but by God, he can win a Merv Cartwright award. <laughs> was he play? He might have been playing for the Cowboys back then. I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah, I think I think Tarbell yeah. was for the Cowboys. Yeah, he back partnered then. in the halves of Craig Kamali. Um, <laughs> uh, for the record, it was Trent Merrin. Trent Merrin, the guy that was married to a glam before he was dumped. We're going to go over to you, Mario. You are on one score check. Xander, you are on two. Mario, which team did South Sydney tie in competition points in the 2012 NRL season? I'm going to give you multiple choice. Was it your beloved Manly Sea Eagles? Was it the Gold Coast Titans? Or was it the Sydney Roosters? Which team did Souths finish on the same? Sorry, mate. Well, South finished on the same points as us in 2014. It definitely wasn't 2012. It, uh, Titans were good in 2010, not 2012. So it's got to be the Roosters. I'm afraid that's incorrect, mate. So you get a 50-50 chance here, Xander. So what, was the, what were the options, the others? I'm afraid I can't tell you. Yeah. This is part of the game. Right, okay. So um, you can have a crack. If you say somewhere like the, the Knights, then people will laugh at you because it, it wasn't on the card. You might say Jason Tarmow again. I don't know. <laughs> Jason Tarmow. I can't trust you. <laughs> Jason Tarmow. Yeah, I, I, I merged him with Jason uh, Tabalolo. <laughs> I'd say, what a player that James, would be. James Tabalolo. <laughs> that should be a sci fi flick. <laughs> they hop into one of those like the fly. It's like the $6 million man or something. I don't know. Um, uh, so it would, yeah, I, I, I'm going to say uh, one out of the box that uh, we didn't yeah, mention there. Let's just say the Tigers. <laughs> He's literally <laughs> mentioned one not on the card. I, couldn't I wasn't really paying attention. Mate, uh, you're not going to like this, Mario. It was manly, according to the card. Well, no, I, no. Like I remember the drawing with us in, but I thought they were better than that. We, we finished fourth or fifth in 2012. I thought they were better than that. So there you go. There you go. All right, Xander, we're going over to you, mate. This is for the win, but I, I'm going to warn you, it's tough. What were the team colours for the South Queensland Crushers? Now, I'm not going to get really picky with this because there are specific types of colours mentioned, but if you vaguely get it, I will give it to you. Yeah, so they were, um, weren't they a, a mix of like, um, South Queensland Crushers? They were, they were similar from memory to the, uh, the colours of the new proposed team. So it was like a, a We gold. don't need these side hustles, yeah. mate. Wasn't it like gold, blue, and white? Incorrect, mate. I can't give that to you, I'm afraid. Mario, do you want to jump in for a steal? Gold and blue. I need the three. What did you say? Gold, blue? Oh, there's a tiny, there was a tiny bit of red on there, wasn't it? But the colours were basically just gold and blue on their jersey. Oh, i got to give it well done, Mario. It was gold, blue, and red. And technically, it was Aztec gold, yeah. navy blue, and just plain old red. Plain old Jared's date. It's uh, two apiece. So next person correct will win the game. Gold, blue, and red's a terrible combination. Okay, again, that gets you no points. <laughs> so, all right. Just for the... Just for the <laughs> Mario, you get first opportunity, mate. It is over to you. How many final series wins does a seventh or eighth ranked club need to win to reach an NRL grand final? To reach the grand final, they need to win three games. Mario is the winner of this week's new NRL B-grade trivia box 
competition. And congratulations, Mario, for uh, obviously for being a good sport, for coming from behind and not mentioning Jason Tarmow. That's probably what got you over the line this time. And what you get to take home is a Sony Walkman that I owned when I was nine years old, which I then put a lot of Milo into and doesn't work anymore uh, when I went for a weird experimental uh, food phase in my early teenage years. So well, congratulations. Do you have any cassette albums that come with that Walkman? Because that'd be a score in that case. A cassette album. Um, I could certainly try to get one of those to you, mate. I'm pretty sure I might have the single of Kylie Minogue's first couple of hits, uh, Better Videl Do You Know and Step Back in Time. Will that do you? Oh, winning. Totally winning. <laughs> <laughs> we all walk home a winner. Um, look, thank you very much, listeners, for sticking around with us today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed yourselves. Please remember to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are at the handle at Voluntary Tackle. Mario is managing our Facebook now, which is why there's so much pornography on it and references to Alex Jones. We apologize about that. Uh, Xander is actually in charge of Instagram. Not sure if he's on there very much, uh, but if you want to reach out to him, that's one way you'll find it. And I'm usually available on Twitter. Guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, hope you enjoyed yourself. Any final comments before we sign off? Sure, Mario's got something about Tommy Turbo. Go, man. <laughs> Thank you very yeah, much. See you next week. Manly.